Welcome to the One of a Kind podcast, the show where we explore the stories we tell ourselves and the moments that got us here. I'm Nisi Duran, and I hope today's conversation gives you something to smile about. Welcome to the 11th episode of the One of a Kind podcast. Today's guest is an OG friend from my college days, the one and only Christian Franco. Christian and I met during a pre-college summer program at Cornell University. He became my inseparable study buddy who distracted me with great music and classic movies and called me by one of my all-time favorite nicknames, Silver. We laughed more than we studied, but he helped me feel safe and free to be myself in an important new chapter in my life. Before I tell you more about him, I wanted to take a moment to reflect on what this podcast means to me. I recently reread an NPR article discussing the epidemic of loneliness. The article quotes Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy as saying, quote, In the last few decades, we've just lived through a dramatic pace of change. We move more. We change jobs more often. We are living with technology that has profoundly changed how we interact with each other and how we talk to each other. And you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you, because loneliness is about the quality of your connections. He goes on to say that cultivating a culture of connection is key to addressing this epidemic. I've recently come to the conclusion that one of my life's missions is to help people feel more connected, and I am so grateful to have found a way to do it via this podcast. So thank you to everyone who continues listening and sharing these stories. So more on Mr. Franco. Christian is a Bay Area native who spent most of his childhood in the quiet town of Burlingame, California, where he lived with his parents and older brother Carlos. Upon graduating from Cornell University with a BA in psychology, he moved to New York where he attended law school, worked as a licensed attorney, and eventually embarked on a career as a brand strategist. In 2019, Christian moved back to California to be close to his family and currently lives in San Francisco, California. He borrows his mantra from the storied (laughs) Jedi Master Yoda, quote, do or do not, there is no try, end quote. He has an unhealthy addiction to sneakers and believes in the healing power of Labrador puppies. In this conversation, we discuss career pivots, the nostalgic power of movies and music, the importance of family, and that loss is an inevitable part of life. And finally, we established that Christian is hella cool. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. And, it, and it's very easy to want to do, you know, go to grad school and do something prestigious, like, you know, to your point, um, you know, having gone to Cornell, I mean, we, we were around a lot of very smart, very ambitious people that, I mean, I, I don't know if they had expectations from their families or their parents, so they just were very focused at an early age, encouraged to kind of, you know, do whatever, what they were passionate about. Uh, but I felt like I needed to be on pace with them. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't take, you know, some time off before figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And even though I don't regret going to law school, I, I quickly understood that it's really not about that. And it's going to require a lot of sacrifice, uh, debt time, but eventually it's, 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 it'll level off. And at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I just feel happier about it. And and I never really thought of myself as being unique or brave in that sense until people started sending me messages on LinkedIn 
congratulating me and, you know, wanting to, you know, schedule some time to chat because they're also interested in, you know, making a career change, but they just feel so stuck with, you know, having spent so much time, um, whether they went to grad school or not, but just, you know, kind of getting to where they are, um, you know, now and having to hit the reset button is a very scary thing. And it was, you know, and in some ways I do feel like I'm a few years behind where I think I should be, but it'll come. I'm not worried about it. I look young. <laughs> You're Gen Z. You're pretty much Gen Z. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. Huh. I love that. A reset button. It is really hard, the Christian. It's really, 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 really hard. Because one, I think you're doing something brand new that you have to get good at again. Mm. Right. And then to your point, then the comparison comes of you feel behind. But when you said that, for me, I said maybe you're, I don't know, behind on number of years of experience in the specific industry. But in terms of satisfaction <laughs> with what you're doing, I think you're not behind. <laughs> right. Like if you talk to people, like a lot of people are very unhappy in their, existing careers and are afraid to make that pivot. So what would you tell people? Uh, well, it's difficult, right? Cause I pivoted at a time when I didn't have, and I still don't have a family. I'm, I'm not married. I I'm have very few financial obligations. So I Fair. have that luxury, but a lot of people don't. So it's difficult to, you know, to judge or to, uh, you know, encourage someone that has those responsibilities, right? But if I had to give them a piece of advice, if I had to say something to them, it's that we only have one life to live and it's our own. And we need to stop living it for for someone else. You know, I know that means something different to everyone, but it's really about, and it. I hate to say this because it might sound a little like selfish, but you got to care of yourself, right? Like you have to be happy with what you're doing. Um, and if you have that luxury, if you have that flexibility, if it requires making some, some big, uh, big decisions, hard decisions, it's absolutely worth it. Cause to your point, you'll be happier. You'll be more satisfied, you know? So, Definitely. Yeah. What else makes you happy outside of work? Family movies. Oh yeah. We we're going to talk about to movies. Sports. <laughs> I know. I went to go watch the new, uh, Indiana Jones last night. They had are you me. Just, you know, are you happy they, or not happy today? They had me for three quarters of the way through. Ooh, right? Indiana and Jones. And then at the end, they chose, they made some decisions that I, I'm very confused by. Like they didn't <laughs> need to swim for the fences the way that they did um, in order for it to be a satisfying conclusion. I, I felt like the last bit of my childhood ended with this franchise. And I don't think I'll be as excited for another movie like I was for like the Star Wars movies when they did the prequels and the sequels and the Indiana Jones sequels, just because like those things really remind me of being a kid. About nostalgia and childhood. So I really like, I think it's called Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with oh, I think it's Kevin, Costner. Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I freaking love that movie so much. My brothers and I love it. And there's the part where the woman screams, Robin. And then the guy, oh my, I wish I knew his name, but he also played Snape in Harry Potter. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Love him so much. Right. And where he says, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. Oh my goodness. Okay. I love that movie. When David and I, my husband started dating, my brothers and I were like, 
this movie's the best movie ever. We can't wait for you to watch it with us. And so he came to visit in San Diego. We watched it. He had never seen it. He's like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? He's like, Kevin Costner's accent changes like five times. He's a horrible actor. And this is a horrible movie. I was so offended, Christian, because we owned like special Blu-ray editions and all these things. We love that movie. But I mean, we watched it when we were little, right? So I guess my question for you is, do you think these movies are actually good? (laughs) Or do you think it's nostalgia? And why do we care so much about, like, why do we love the movies from our childhood so, so, so much? I feel like I could riff on a number of things you just said um, and not to go out of order, but some of the things you said about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves yeah. is, are like ring so true to my heart. Robin Hood was a, a definitely you loved it the, too? my dad loved it. Aww. He went out and got the VHS or he still loves it. He used to play it all the time. So it got good. so bad that my older sisters hid the VHS because they were tired <laughs> of that constantly being on. And of course the Brian Adams song, you know, oh, so good. on so much. <laughs> oh my God. I think of Brian Adams and I think of you. Did you play a lot of Brian Adams in college? I feel like you did. I mean, maybe the summer of 69. Cause that was yes, on like you the, did. You played because that, that was so on like much. the college soundtrack like that. And like pour some sugar on me. Yeah. Wait, I think you introduced me to John Mayer. I think you did too. No, then no, that's definitely your husband. Because even though I knew John Mayer, I was never a huge John Mayer fan. You played it though when we were in the COSEP at that summer program. Yeah, but that's you, so you don't want to take credit. You don't want to take credit. So did every eighteen-year-old of that? No, I don't. I don't mind John Mayer. I just I don't think I was particularly. Uh, oh, you know why it was? But again, I told you I was homesick. I yes. also wanted to be in college, high school, a party with my buddies. Yes. Um, and that one song came out that year when we graduated. No such like, thing. Yeah. You play that over and over and over and over again. Because that was like something that we all did. Well, every high school senior in 2002 (laughs) did that. I'm not unique in any way. But yeah, yeah. That's okay. So maybe I did introduce you. You did introduce me. Yeah. My apologies. I I don't think I ever told you guys, but I met him. I met him too, but for like a minute. When did you meet him? We were at my favorite bar in New York in Soho. Yeah. This place called uh, Spring Lounge, which. It's uh, it's unofficial name is Shark Bar because there's a bunch of like beer drinking sharks all over the uh, love it all over the walls, and it was a Friday or Saturday night, and it was bumping right, and it's like a dive, it's a proper dive bar, but it's in the cool part of near- of, of, of town. I mean, he lives near, you know, so, um, and he was there chilling with like a small group of people. No one was bothering him. This may have been the second or third so time then that he I'd said, seen "Here in I the go." Bar. <laughs> Well, I had a few drinks in me. I had some liquid courage. And like, you know what? F it. I'm going to just go talk to him because I respect him. I don't love him as much as, you know, Mr. Chen. David but, Chen. Yeah. Uh, right. But but I, I respect him as a musician. And he was also wearing this really, like, goofy looking fedora indoors at night. Uh, I met so, him with a fedora. That's how I met well, him, too. There you, there you go. <laughs> so I went up to him and like, hey, man, listen, I... Not, I'm not one of those people that it comes and bothers people when they're trying to have a good time. But listen, I really respect your music. Uh, I think you're a great artist. And, you know, thanks a bunch, man. You've, you've given me a lot to, uh, you know, to enjoy over the years. Just like super quick. You're brief. so classy, I, Christian. I, I, well, that, that was my strategy. Um, and, and he, I thought he was going to be kind of like a jerk. It's like, who's this random dude interrupting me while I'm hanging out with my buddies on a Friday or Saturday night? Uh, and he actually smiled. I forgot what he asked me, we, but we engaged in like a quick conversation and I, I quickly nipped it in the bud and went to the, to the bathroom that was a, kind of a few feet to the right. 
Uh, but I was like, cool. All right. John Mayer was not, he was not a dick. Yeah. Check. Got it. Yeah. But I feel like, sorry, I, I feel like we deviated into m- more movies, Alan Rickman and somehow John Mayer not being a dick. But uh, <laughs> you'd ask me a question about movies, nostalgia, and whether objectively speaking to a, um, to someone today, will, will, will the original movies be good or, or are we just remembering them through those rose-colored lenses? And to answer your question is I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I know for a fact that I have a ton of emotional baggage that's tied to these movies for like a number of reasons, right? They remind me of my brothers. They remind me of living with my siblings, you know, my parents being younger, uh, living a completely like free life where I was just playing video games and watching movies and hanging out with my friends and having no responsibilities. So there's, there's that, right? Uh, It's kind of like music, right? You listen to a song and it could transport you instantly into a different time. You said that the movies and the music and maybe even books, right? Books for me will transport me to to a certain time in my life. Um, You said it reminds you of being a child and living with your parents. What do you... I miss that too. Like, I think there's something so warm and comforting about that. Like, I have a friend who's going home actually today to go spend time with his parents. And he said he just wants to be in the bathtub and eat his mom's uh, fettuccine Alfredo. And like, that's what he's looking forward to so much. And isn't, I mean, it's just, it's so simple, right? But it's, what what do you think is, a, what, what do you think is up with adulthood that we, <laughs> that we, <laughs> you know, want to be transported back and, you know, and we're so nostalgic. Um, I think it has to do with, our culture, I think. You, culture, you and me. Yeah. Well, we're both Mexican American. Correct. Correct. Uh, we, we have that in common. Um, I'm not saying that it's exclusive to Mexican American, you know, people of our age, of course. But I mean, growing up, my, my parents were divorced, so I got to see oh, two right. very different like vibes. I don't know how they ever thought it was a good idea to get married, but <laughs> they did. At they some figured point. it out that it wasn't. Is that good for right, them? Right. Right. And you know. <laughs> good for me because without yes. that i wouldn't have you know been i wouldn't be here and i remember telling my brother when i was making a decision to move back from from new york that which brother you have out. a couple brothers yeah oh yeah yeah uh carlos, carlos, so he's, carlos. Like, he was my only full brother that lives um that was the one that lived with um my entire life um so we were living in New York at the time, and I told him, hey, man, listen, I got—I think I want to move back. And I gave him a number of reasons. But one of the major driving forces was wanting to go back and being close to our parents because I was not content anymore with coming back once a year and seeing them for maybe a week or two during the holidays and kind of calling it a day. Uh, there was a, a yearning in me, a longing in me to want to go back and experience them while they were still healthy and happy. and. I could create new memories with them. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I moved home first rather than just signing a random lease in the city. I kind of wanted to sit in the bathtub and eat my mom's like fettuccine, <laughs> right? Like, like I wanted my dad to wake me up to go play soccer with them, treat oh. me like a little kid sometimes. Like one of the yeah. first things we did was go get ice cream at this place. We've been getting ice cream at since I was a kid. This place called Mitchell's in, uh, in, in the city. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it was just... Call it nostalgia, call it 
the friendship, the bond that I have with them, knowing that they're not going to be there forever and wanting to ensure that I get to experience them just a little bit longer. Uh, that's so important, you know, and I think that's something that's a, a core cultural force within, you know, not just Mexican, you know, culture, but Hispanic culture, uh, a lot of European culture really too. Um, so I'm not sure if that answered your question, but it's, it's like incredibly important to me. It does. Yeah. Family is really important to me too. That's ultimately like when people ask me, why did you leave the Bay area to come to San Diego? There's lots of reasons, right? I think for David, it's, there's good golf here. (laughs) That'll be his answer. But for me, the primary answer is my parents are here, right? And it's just, it's one of those things where they are getting older. My parents, specifically my mom has some health issues and I just want to be able to see them more often and be on the same time zone. And cause I was living on the East coast for a while too. And mm. it makes me feel every once in a while after a long day, if I ever feel a little bit lonely, which I think loneliness is a normal feeling that we should all be comfortable having because <laughs> mm. at the end of the day, you need to be comfortable with yourself. Right. But if I'm ever feeling lonely to the point where I do get sad, I can just call my mom and listen to her talk about whatever. It doesn't have to be anything, right? Or I can go visit them and just sit in their living room and they're just scabbing about the same. We're telling the same stories we've told like 10 times, right? Mm. That week even. But it just feels like I'm not alone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it makes me nervous, right? As at some point, my parents will be gone. And so I'm trying to squeeze out as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, it's smart. It's, I mean, and, and in many ways you're learning, it's just still learning from them because now you're now you're mama bear and now yes. you're going to have to be that person for, you know, your, your two beautiful kids. So, I mean, <laughs> soak it up while you can. It's incredibly important. And, and listen, like, um, loss is an, it's, a, it's a part of life and i know you know this but um my oldest brother half brother who was like this huge presence in in everyone's lives really like yeah he was such a unique individual because he had very personal relationships with everyone and you know he passed away not too long ago and i just recently went to his kids high school graduation out in miami there was a wait there right uh, a weight there that I, you know, we can talk for another hour about this alone, but this makes me appreciate my parents more. When I put myself in his shoes, like I wouldn't trade anything. Like I would trade everything. I'm sure, and I'm sure he would too, to have his father, you know, present there or, you know, those past few years. And it's just not going to happen, you know? So sorry to take this into a more so- somber direction. No, I love that you're talking about this and sharing this. I, mm. Just to clarify, so he graduated high school. Um, when did your brother pass away? How many years has it been? It's about six years ago, six, seven it's been years six ago. Six years. Okay. Yeah, so his son six. has very strong memories of him, yes. but it's yes. but he didn't get to see him as he's like in high school and you know, becoming a young adult and that sort of thing. Yeah. Now he's going to uh going to college in Boston. Going? No way. So yeah, there's so many Boston to... colleges. <laughs> a lot of his friends are gonna be like at, at like Tufts and BC, he's going yeah. Northeastern. So it's, it's going to be fun for him. I'm excited. Boston's a great town. Uh, but now I, have a re- now I have a reason to go to, uh, you know, to hit a bean town. 
Um, I love Boston. We can talk about Boston too. Um, but I, I mean, I've, I am Mexican American. I, I don't know other cultures as well as my own, but I agree with you that family is like at the core of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel most like myself around them. And every once oh. in a while, I think like I come out with select groups of people. I'm definitely introvert, but with my family, introvert? I'm, I'm a huge extrovert with my family. Uh, that's how I would classify myself. Yes. I think I would say I have like some extrovert tendencies, but I, yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. I need my alone time. I think that's why I love New York so much because you can just do your own thing and no one's even going to notice it. You know, you could go to the cafe and chill by yourself. You can hit up a bar and have a pint like at the bar. You know, there's no spotlight effect happening there. Uh, yeah, you can just roam, fly solo and... It's a good energy. It's a good vibe. It's a perfect time to do that in. I've never heard that phrase. There's no spotlight. What did you say? Spotlight energy? Spotlight effect. It's, spotlight it's effect. like this psychological phenomenon where you no, think that it. if you're alone, everyone's looking at you and wondering why you're alone. When in reality, no one cares. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But you're obsessing over it. No, I love New York too. I felt very free, especially as a woman. I felt safe walking around in most places and I could just jump on the subway and do what I needed to do by myself. So. Uh, but wait, so so who are you with your family? Who are you? Do I even know you? <laughs> well, I was going to say there's there's this right right. You you don't know me. You ask a complete stranger. <laughs> um, I would say that you are definitely one of those people that gets to see who I believe I truly am. Yeah. Um. And well, thank you. It's who you are, not me. Yeah. <laughs> you create that safe space. Oh, thank you. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I would say use few close friends, all the beta guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, random coworkers throughout, like throughout the years, but um, not a lot, not a lot. I'm, I'm definitely a, I'm more interested in um, having a few close friends rather than like numerous acquaintances. I forget who told me this once, but it's something that I say a lot. Like I'm more interested in having four quarters and a hundred pennies when it comes to relationships. Oh. Um, and you know, it's with those four quarters that I can be myself and it's, it's, it's fun. You know, they add value to my life and hopefully I have value to theirs. That is a wonderful, beautiful analogy. I think David <laughs> is very similar to that as well. I like having a hundred quarters. <laughs> <laughs> You and then the I don't sleep. I know. Yeah, and then yeah, I don't right, sleep. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your brother, if that's okay, if you're comfortable. Sure. sure. Which one? Which one? Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to share his name or? Fernando. Fernando, Fernando Franco Jr. He and was a his, junior. My dad is senior, and his son is the third. So there's a Fernando the third. I love yeah. that. That's great. Yeah. I love that. So Fernando, so how, how did that impact you? Like when, when you lost him, was it expected? Was it unexpected? Both really. Um, he had some health issues that were kind of persistent for a little bit of time and him going to the hospital and having some sort of like either minor procedure um, and hearing about it, like when it was happening or after the fact kind of became I hate to say it, but it, it kind of became 
became a somewhat regular thing. Mm-hmm. So when you mm-hmm. heard that, you know, Fernando had to go see the doctor to go to the hospital, it's like, oh, well, he'll bounce back because he always does, right? Totally. Um, and then, and he got really sick. He he actually he had a liver failure, mm-hmm. um, and he was lucky enough to, you know, have a donor. And oh he my goodness! Six, yeah, he had a successful liver transplant, and he was. He returned to full, full power Fernando for like two or three years. And it just, it was hard to believe that it was the same person. Like I immediately remembered him the way he was when I was a kid, the energy, wow, the, uh, like just the excitement in him like feeding off of that. Right. And he'd come to New York for business all the time. So I get to see him quite regularly. Um, and then he got sick again, you know, mm-hmm. something else. Um, call it fate, destiny, I don't know. But it, this time we got the call a little late and it was, it was my dad's like, hey, I ended up flying out to Miami. This one feels a little different. If you want to, you know, come, probably a good time. Yeah. And for my dad, my, dad, my dad's not really an emotional guy, but for that yeah. kind of conversation to come from him, it's like, oh shit. Like I called Carlos immediately. We hopped on the first flight out like that night. Um, got to Miami the next day. Um, and I went to go see him and something was different. Mm-hmm. I'd seen him in a hospital bed before, but this time something looked different. Um, and I could get into that a little bit more, but I won't because it's like kind of a little too heavy. Totally. Um, but I remember going to get lunch that that day with my dad and Carlos at Panera and the energy had been so like low and heavy, but we were starting to crack jokes there. We were starting to kind of, it started to feel like another trip to Miami a good family yes. time. Uh, and then we got a call from the doctor or my brother, my other brother who was with the doctor that he wanted to talk to us. I guess they had done some sort of test to see if what his brain activity was like. Um, and then like I remember like my heart racing and then we we got back to the doctor's office his wife came uh my sister-in-law and then he broke the news that even though his body was very physically present like he was he was no longer there Mm -hmm. uh and I'll never forget that feeling like it was like anxiety panic sadness perspiration like all at once just kind of like hitting you like a massive wave and then eventually like I, I well, first of all, I couldn't believe it, right? Something you'd seen in a movie. I'd seen movies millions of times prior to that. I never thought I would be in the room hearing it. I almost thought like it was a, like I was getting punked or something. Um, and then everything went really fast. You know, I didn't shed a tear. I didn't. I was trying to be strong for everyone there. Uh, it wasn't until I got back from New York where I kind of just, I went back to work pretty quickly. And even my boss was like, hey, why are you here? Like, we know exactly what happened. Because I, I had to keep them updated. Um, like go home. Like, no, 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 I gotta work through it. I'll be fine. And by the time early afternoon hit in that day, I was like, I was like shaking. Like I, I guess I was running, I was running on adrenaline while I was in Miami, just trying to keep it together. But the time of the first opportunity I got to to uh you know let my guard down, I just I folded. You know, I remember being on the subway back to you know, going back to Brooklyn. And I was like, I wasn't gonna faint or anything like that, but I felt like physically, emotionally, like weak in every possible way. 
and I, I just don't, I kind of blacked out that week. I don't really remember what happened. Like I'm sure I slept and I ate and I lived life as well as I could, but um, it was just a bizarre feeling. And ever since then, there's been, it's been a void, you know, just because he was such a important presence and not, not just my life, but everyone's life. Um, yeah. You know, there's just so many things that I never got to talk to him about. Yeah. And like, I think one of the advantages of having so many siblings is that they all kind of have their own personality and their, their like superpowers. Um, and I remember as a kid going to talk to each one of them for like something a little bit different, right? Like, yo, I having issues with, you know, something related to playing soccer. Good Alex. I got an, an issue with like, you know, like being the cool guy, like at school, like talk to Carlos, you know, <laughs> uh, if there was, they, they all had their, their, like their specific, you know, again, superpower. And there was so much that Fernando had that I never really got a chance to tap into it as I got older, where it's like, I never, it's never going to happen. You know, like that wisdom is, is, is lost, you know, or, or, you know, I need to hold on to what I remember as much as I possibly can, you know. And then share it with his yeah. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I find ways to do it, you know. I don't like to be heavy around him totally. about it, but like there's just there's like so much he needs to know about his dad. Like dad was like that was man. Yeah. <laughs> that was man. Um yeah. Oh, so many thoughts. Um, I think one of the things that struck me was sometimes we, I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I forget about the huge connection between like your physical body and your feelings. Right. And like, I could, I can't imagine how you felt, right? Like I haven't gone through that experience, but when you described the physical component of it, I've felt that in other scenarios, right. And it just, um, in other instances of loss and I just find it so fascinating that our bodies will get us through what we need to get through. But then at some point it reminds you, Hey, you actually need to process these feelings because it's, it's too much. And I'm going to show you that it's too much by having your body kind of fall apart a little bit on you. Um, yeah. I just find that to be like, wow. Right. Like it, it, your body sends you a message of, okay, it's time you need to go take care of yourself now and how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, hundred percent. And then I also got to experience it emotionally, like months down the line, like oh. fast forward, like maybe half a year later, I remember at this, I was at a bar, might've been Tribeca. I forget exactly where I was. It was, You're it was so very cool, Franco, ah. Brooklyn, Tribeca, Soho, the coolest. So cool. Only the cool, <laughs> only the below 14th street only. Silver. Um, yeah, I, I remember the bartender giving me attitude oh hell and, no <laughs> and i wasn't even like being obnoxious like you know we can all be obnoxious yeah you're pretty sweet though you're usually not obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man like like listen i've 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 had my moments in my in my 20s where like maybe you know may, maybe i'm being like a jerk to a bartender maybe if you see a bartender reading a book by colleen hoover <laughs> oh my god yeah i'll, I'll, I'll let her have it um yeah. And then she like, wouldn't serve me because like I was, she said like, your, your friend's being a dick. And I was like, okay, fine. Maybe I caught her in a bad mood. Who knows? 
But I don't know why, but that like set off this chain of like this chain oh. of reaction where I started getting emotional at the bar. And my brother was like, Hey, what's going on, dude? Like, you all right? And I was like, like, I miss my brother. I miss Fernando. Oh. And then like it it then it hit him like yeah. all of a sudden. And then we were just both having a moment at the bar. And like, meanwhile, everyone's having a good time. Like both of our friend groups are together, like hanging out. And we just had to go home. We just left. Like it it was couldn't tell you what exactly happened. Um or why like a bartender giving me attitude was the like, you know, the last straw there. But that was the first time I got emotional about, you know, everything that had happened. And I've definitely, you know, shed a tear and cried since then um, about that specifically, of course. But uh, that was the first time. And who knew, like five, six months later at a bar, you know, because <laughs> I couldn't get my Bud Light or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was just go go figure, you know. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Because you just never know, right? And I think it's also a message of you don't you didn't try to understand or analyze why. You're just like, I'm feeling this. I yeah. need to go feel this somewhere else. And yeah. I'm gonna listen yeah. to what my emotions. I wanted to say thank you so much for doing this and for sharing your story. And that I think it reminded me why we became friends so quickly. Like you're a nerd like me, right? Like you nerd out on movies and music and sports. And I love me some nerds. I just like, you know, getting excited em- about stuff. Embrace it. Yeah. Embrace it. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's the best. It's fun being a nerd. Yeah. Thanks so much. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Tell Nicole, I said, thank you for letting me steal you for a little bit on your long Oh yeah. Too. She had to leave the apartment. She's not due back for like another 30 minutes. So yeah. Maybe she'll bring uh, another cafe con leche or what is it? Which uh, is it? Cafe ole? Cafe ole. Well, cafe ole is like, when you go to any coffee shop, that's yeah. what you say. You go to Starbucks, you have to ask for a misto. Oh, Cafe Misto. Cafe. They have their own naming system. Makes no fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> but you I, go every I, and day. I refuse to use it. Yeah, and I refuse to use it. I still say like medium Cafe Misto. Well, the Misto you have to because you'll confuse them. But I'm not going to do like the venti, petit, or grande, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, it's like no. I refuse to play that. And game. now I may be understanding why that bartender didn't want to give you a Bud Light or whatever you were looking for. <laughs> I just don't know what I could have been doing. Like, can I get another pint of Bud Light? <laughs> It's like, you called it something else, like something they I, say in London or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I have called Bud like regular Budweiser, Bud Heavy. Hey, you've heard that before, right? Never. Bud Light, Bud Heavy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no, this was a this was probably a Bud Light. Like I, I I don't know. It was bizarre, bizarre. But I'm glad it happened because it made you process your feelings. Yes, yes, it was meant to be. The bartender was my like my therapist on on site therapist there. Well, shout out to Jesus and Mike, who will be listening to this when it launches, I'm sure. Thank you for listening to the One of a Kind podcast. This show is edited by my brother from the very same mother, Jose Duran. We have more episodes on the way, so please check us out wherever you get your podcasts.